we're going to dive into a brand new series today called Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray. I cannot tell you, first of all, I can't tell you how excited I am to be preaching again. It's been like five weeks since I don't know if you're excited, but I'm excited. Um, I know the, uh, the preachers and the, and the ministers that came did such an amazing job, didn't they? Do an amazing job. I really, really enjoyed hearing from uh, this group of pastors that, that came and ministered to us. Um, but I am even more excited about getting back in the saddle and, and preaching God's word today. We're going to launch this series, series called Teach Us to Pray. And before I tell you about the series, I want us to do something collectively uh, here at the Tivoli, at Shaw, and online. Something that I don't know that we've ever done at One Family Church. Um, we're going to pray together, which we have done before, but we're going to pray together in a way that I don't know that we've ever prayed together as a church. I want to open this series with a, with a, a congregation-wide silent prayer. Did anybody ever pray silently? So what I want us to do is, before we even get into the Word of God, before we even get into this series, and I start telling you all about it, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to still your heart. I'm going to invite you to bow your head. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And we're just going to pray together for about a minute silently. Just pray in your own heart. Are you guys ready for this? People are a little nervous, I can tell. Just a little edgy, but it's going to be amazing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to pray, both campuses and online. Let's do it together. Bow your heads, and let's just pray silently. Now, let me, let me get real with you guys for a minute here. How many of you, um, at some point in the prayer, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, how many of you at some point in the prayer got a little distracted by something or, or you know, a thought that passed through? Yeah. How many of you, like, maybe a couple things on your to-do list kind of started emerging, bubbling up from your mind, right? Yeah. How many of you, like, started composing an email that you have to send later in the day, just mentally, right? The reality is this, as followers of Jesus, we know, we know, we believe that prayer is a fundamental spiritual discipline. We know, in fact, it is, I I don't know if we can actually rank this, but for purposes of this sermon, I'm just going to say it's the most important spiritual practice. Like all of the other spiritual disciplines and spiritual habits and spiritual practices stack on top of prayer. Prayer is at the very, very beginning. Prayer is the way that you enter into a relationship with God from the very beginning. Remember the thief on the cross? When he turned to Jesus and, and he said, you know, will, will you forgive me? Will you take me into to paradise with you, right? That was a prayer. That was him praying to Jesus saying, please, please forgive me, right? It, even the very beginning of our relationship begins with prayer. 
Prayer is at the basis of the Christian life. And yet, for many of us, many Christians, prayer remains this very difficult and elusive thing. Like we, we know we need to do it. We want to do it. How many of y'all want a rich prayer life? How many of you want to have time where you're deeply connected with God? I know I do. But it's a deeply elusive and difficult thing to develop in our lives. It's very challenging to really develop prayer. And yet throughout the scripture, we see that prayer was fundamental to the very growth and spiritual development of every single person, every hero in the Bible, right? Did you know David prayed three times a day? Daniel prayed three times a day. Abraham was a man of prayer. Moses was a man of prayer. Sarah was a woman of prayer. Mary was a woman of prayer. Elizabeth was a woman. You go through the scripture and you start to realize Paul, right, was, was a man of deep prayer, prayed all the time. Jesus, actually, before he launched his public ministry, spent 40 days out in the desert. What was he doing? He was praying and fasting. So we see this picture of the value and the importance of prayer. And yet all of us, including me, struggle to develop a robust life of vital and valuable intimacy with God. And we are not alone because it's, 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 we, it's recorded in the scripture that even Jesus' disciples struggled with the same issue, right? There's a passage where Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, you know, John the Baptist, he's taught his disciples how to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time for the next few weeks, looking at how Jesus taught us to pray. And here's my goal for the series. Here's my goal for you and for me. My goal is every person praying every day. If we become a, I'm telling you, if we become a church of prayer, if we become a church where all of us intimately alone are praying to God and having deep connection with God, there is nothing that can stop a group of praying people. I'm just telling you, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. So, so over the next few weeks, we're going to explore what Jesus taught us about prayer and how to pray. And we're not going to just explore it intellectually. We're going to put it to practice. We're going to start developing it. And by the time this series ends, I just, I just believe in my heart that this church is going to be a praying church. I mean, we're already a praying church, but I'm talking about going deep in prayer. Is that all right, somebody? All right. I don't know if that's interesting to you, but that's, that's, what, that's what God has put on my heart. You know, I'll, I'll just say this one last thing about the value and the importance of prayer. The scripture describes the, the, the word of God as like nourishment for the soul, the bread of the word of God, right? So everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to eat. You can't live if you don't eat. And it describes the, the spirit of God as like the, the rivers of living water, like the hydration, the water that we need. And everybody needs, everybody needs to drink water, right? Pamela Love always says, Pastor, are you drinking your water? Yeah, you got to drink a lot of water, right? You got to be hydrated, okay? But prayer is often described like oxygen, right? So nourishment is extremely important. Hydration is extremely important. But if you're not, if you don't have air, then nourishment and hydration aren't going to help you, right? So prayer is like oxygen for the soul. Prayer is what we need to, to be breathing in and out all day, every day, because when we do, then we start to get deeply connected with God. So when Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray, we want this, this is what Jesus said. I'm going to spend a little time in this scripture, um, and uh, you can join along with me, Matthew chapter 6. It says, when you pray, I could preach a whole sermon right there because it's not an if you pray. 
right? The presumption is that we do pray. When you pray, Jesus said, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Jesus is saying people who are showy, prayer show people, right? They've already got all the accolades and the glory that they wanted, right? They're just virtue signaling. They're not even praying to God. They're praying, you know, in front of God for your benefit, right? And Jesus says, that, don't, don't pray like that. Um, then it says this, but you, this is us, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And then he gives us the template. Then he gives us the, he gives us the example. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and everybody said amen so what i love about this teaching is that before jesus teaches us what to do he teaches us what not to do how many of you know sometimes you have to unlearn something before you can learn something right and what he tells us in this passage is, let me show you what not to do, because I've seen you following and noticing the ways that other people pray, but I don't want you to pray like them. And the three things that he points out specifically are what I call recitation, repetition, and rhetoric. Recitation, repetition, and rhetoric. Recitation is when you just memorize something and then you recite it from memory, right? Right? When my kids came back from, from preschool, when they were very young, they said, hey, we want to we pray for the meal. And we said, oh, great. And, here, and this was their prayer. Tick, tock, tick, tock. This is the way we pray. We thank the Lord Jesus Christ for giving us food today. Hooray. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good prayer, right? How many of you know, uh, now I lay me down to sleep? I pray the Lord, my soul. What a creepy prayer. I'm sorry. Right? I can't remember. One of my uncles used to say, this was his prayer. Through the lips, over the tongue, look out stomach, here it comes. Amen. <laughs> it's recitation, right? So recitation is when you just memorize something and you just say it back, right? And there's nothing wrong with recitation if you're a little kid learning how to pray, learning the basics of prayer, Right? There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not going to get the job done. It's not going to take you into intimacy with God. You don't get into intimacy with God just by reciting something that you memorized. That's not communication. Right? If, you, if, you, if you had a friend and you just recited things to your friend that you had memorized, how intimate would that relationship be? 
It's not going to get the job done. So, so that's recitation. The other one, he says, is vain repetition. So repetition is the second one. He says, don't, don't get involved in repetition. Now, I, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to call myself out on this one. Hopefully, everybody gets a little sting in some of this because the way you've been praying might not be exactly the way God is teaching us to pray. But when I, um, the first time I went skydiving, I said a prayer when I jumped out of the airplane. I'll tell you about it sometime. But I said a prayer when I jumped out of the airplane. You want to know what my prayer was? Jesus, 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 Jesus. That was my whole prayer. <laughs> That's called repetition. I really didn't have a prayer formulated in my mind. When I was a little kid, we used to have all-night prayer meetings. Anybody ever been to an all-night prayer meeting? I don't know if they even do those anymore. Oh, all the people in the front. Did you notice that? The spiritual people. Well, maybe we will do some all-night prayer meetings. Okay, interesting. Um, we used to have all-night prayer meetings, and all-night prayer meetings, like, you run out of stuff to say. I was just a little kid, so I was basically drawing under the church pew anyway. But I would hear some of the folks in the church, you know, about 3 or 4 in the morning, and their prayer would get to this. Their prayer would just be like, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. <laughs> there's, a little, there's a little repetition happening right there. I'm not going to blame anybody. Four in the morning, there's just not a lot to say. Probably time to rest. Um, but, but Jesus said, recitation, repetition. These are not, this is not how I want you to pray, right? The third one is rhetoric. And rhetoric is when you just, you are more impressed with the words that you've come up with than you are with actually connecting with God. Have you ever any, heard anybody pray like that? Oh, great Lord. Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Adonai. Right? In thy great glory and splendor, dear Lord, we just call out upon thee. And you're like, dude, could somebody say amen because the peas are getting cold and it's time to eat. Right? So that's, that's, <laughs> I have a feeling some of y'all have felt some of these different types of, and Jesus is saying, look, hey, there's a lot of different people that pray a lot of different ways, but I want to teach you how to get real in prayer. I want to teach you how to actually have a relationship with me in prayer. I want to teach you how to grow in prayer. I want to teach you how to really develop a kind of prayer life where you and I are connecting. And it's not just a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's a way that we are actually becoming, I'm getting close to you and you're getting close to me. And we're actually having a real relationship. That's how I want to teach you how to pray. So here's the principle of Jesus's, and this, this, is, this is the theme of this whole sermon today. Ready? So if you're taking notes, write this down. All effective prayer is grounded in right relationship. It's not recitation. It's not repetition. It's not rhetoric. Prayer, real prayer, authentic prayer, true prayer is grounded in right, right relationship. This is why Jesus says in verse 6, he says, when you pray... Go into your room. Somebody say, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. 
That sounds like relationship, right? So here's what he's saying. The very first step, effective prayer begins with personal intimacy. Effective prayer begins with personal intimacy. My wife is on the front row here today, and every once in a while in a sermon, I will share like a little anecdote or story about her or our relationship or something like that, and she really loves that. Um, <laughs> so, so, so we're together right now, right? We're in this space together, but we're not here alone. We're here with you guys, right? So if, let me, let, let me just say this. If my relationship with my wife, if, if my relationship with my wife was predominantly grounded upon the dynamic that we have right now in this space on a Sunday morning together with a whole crowd of people, think about how busted up my relationship would be. Because this is not an intimate environment. Are you with me? Is, that, is, my, story, is my analogy tracking? Like it's great for us to be together on a Sunday morning. But if this is all we had... If this was the basis of our relationship, our relationship would be deeply compromised, right? If Sunday morning is the only time that you are in relationship with God, come on, somebody. If, this, if Sunday morning is the predominant time that you are spending with God, if this is the major part of your relationship with God throughout the week, your relationship is busted. There's no intimacy, I mean, I love Sunday morning, probably more than anybody here. I love Sunday morning. I am so happy on Sunday mornings. I love to come together and worship. And I love to worship with you all. But, but this is not, this Sunday mor- Sunday mornings are not intimacy with God. This is not in the room, shut the door, lock the door, throw away the key, right? Jesus said, Jesus said go into your room and shut the door. If you want to connect with me, right? If I want intimacy if, with my wife, it's, it's not in a public space. We got to go somewhere. We're going to go on a date. You know, we have locks on my door. I love my children, but I don't, I don't love them that much. I love them. But, but you have to, God, Jesus says, look, if you want intimacy with God, then don't, don't let it just be some public display. Don't even, even if this is genuine, even if you're here authentically, genuinely to draw close to God, if this is all there is, it's not enough. He said, I want you to go and get in the secret place. So here's my my application for, for that first point. My application is this. Tomorrow, Monday, somebody say Monday. Tomorrow, I want you to designate a place where you can get alone with God. Wherever it is. It needs to be a private place where people cannot access you. If you don't already have a place, my challenge to you is on Monday, designate a place. Find a spot right? Find a spot in your house, in your car, at your job, at a park, somewhere. Find a place where you can be alone with God. Okay, that's, that's your first application, right? So then let's see. So basically now he's telling us, okay, here's where we pray. Now he's going to tell us how we pray. Here's what he says. Let's start with verse nine. I'm only going to give you two words at the beginning of this. He says, our father. Somebody say our. Notice he doesn't say my father. Why does he not say my father? I'm going to tell you why he doesn't say my father, why he says our father. Because you cannot experience intimacy with God and animosity with others at the same time. This is why the prayer begins with our. Because God is not the God of you. God is the God of us. 
somebody needs to let that sink in. God is not, you don't have your own personal Jesus. God is the God of us. God is the God of we. So if we, if I am in, in unhealthy conflict with somebody else, and I try to approach the throne room, of God, throne room of God, God is not interested in hearing my prayer when I am in unhealthy conflict and animosity with somebody else. Can I get in your business for just a second? Your ex-wife is a child of God. <laughs> I'm losing everybody. Your former roommate is a child of God. Your boss is a child of God. Your employee is a, is a child of God. Your ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, do you know my, my ex? <laughs> Have you met him? What, what, what Jesus is saying is when you're approaching God, you need to make sure that, there's, that things are right with other people. Because, because God is their God as much as he is your God. Let me put it like this. We have a phrase in our home. The phrase in our home, as it relates to my children, is make it right. Make it right. So if one of my child, children, if one of my children dishonors, harms, hurts, hurts the feelings of, or whatever, does something negative or wrong towards another child, and then that child that did something wrong comes to me and says, hey, Dad, can I, you know, go rollerblading in the park today? I mean, I'm not interested in hearing any requests from that child until he or she makes it right with the other child. An attentive father ensures that there's not unhealthy conflict between his children. Our Heavenly Father says, look, if you want to approach me, make sure that you're not dishonoring the image of God and the person that I made and that I love just as much as I love you. This, this point is not landing like I just really want it to land. But I want you to know, like, this is, if you're having trouble with prayer, begin by looking at the nature of your relationships with other people. Because God said, and let, let me just give you some scriptures. You think I'm making this up. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Here's what Jesus said. He says this right before he teaches us to pray. This is Matthew 5. He says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, before you try to get all intimate with God, first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, don't try to have intimacy with me if you have offended other people and not made it right. In fact, stop praying, go make it right, and then come back to me. Do you see what he's saying there? Now, some of us might be saying like, hey, look, I haven't offended anybody. I've been doing everybody right. I haven't done anybody wrong. Now, a lot of people have done me wrong, okay? I'm a little offended by the way some people have treated me, but I haven't done anything wrong, so I'm fine. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray, Lord, right? The Lord has something for you, too, and he gives it right at the end of the prayer. You want to hear it? Chapter 6, verse 14. If you forgive other people, then, when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, if you do not forgive other people their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, look, if you want to have intimacy with me, you can't have intimacy with me and animosity towards somebody else at the same time. You got to go clear things up. You got to go make things right with other people before you can come and have a right relationship with me. Amen, somebody? 
Maybe I'll just stop right there because somebody, that just needs to sit with somebody. No, um, that, that's the reality of what, of what God is, is, is trying to tell us. I'm going to give you a quick kind of visual of what this looks like. This is called the redemptive frame. I learned this at a conference by a group called Praxis. They do a lot of work on what they call um, redemptive imagination. But there's, there's three ways, if you've got that slide, there's three ways to interact with people. And this is on, a, on an individual basis, at a job, uh, in, in, you know, in business, in nonprofit. There are three ways. One is exploitative, right? That's, that's, that's I am using you, right? I win, you lose. That's exploitation. A better way is to treat people ethically. Ethical is I win, you win, right? I respect you. You respect me. But there's a further way. It's called the redemptive way. The redemptive way is I sacrifice, we win. This is what Jesus calls us to. I sacrifice, we win. I'm not just, I'm not using you. I'm not just respecting you. My goal is to bless you. And this is what Jesus is saying is if you want to approach the father, you need to approach other people the way the father approaches you. The way the father approaches you is that he extends grace and mercy and love to you when you don't deserve it. And Jesus is saying, if you want to have a relationship with the Father, then you need to treat other people the way the Father treats you, right? Because you cannot have a relationship, intimacy with God, and animosity with other people at the same time. So, first application was, tomorrow you're going to find a place, right, to pray. Today I want you to find a person. Who do you need to get things right with? Don't, don't, Don't shout out their name. Don't look at them if they're sitting near you. But who do you need, A, who do you need to ask forgiveness from? Who do you, where do you need to seek forgiveness? And, and B is, who do you need to forgive? The thing about forgiveness is this, and I'm going to get into forgiveness in a couple weeks. But forgiveness can be covered in forgetfulness, right? Somebody harms me, and I hold a grudge against them. Rather than forgive them, eventually I can sort of forget about it, right? But... Somewhere deep down in here, I'm still harboring unforgiveness. And until we actually dig a little deep and go, who am I holding a grudge against? Because you cannot approach God while holding a grudge. You cannot maintain a relationship with God while you have a grudge against somebody else. Come on, somebody. Y'all are thinking, either thinking deep or you've got somebody in your mind who you're working on right now. But this is what Jesus is saying is, I want, you to have, I want you to have intimacy with me, but to do that, you cannot have animosity with others. So tomorrow, I want you to find a place, but today, I want you to find a person. Who do you need to square things up with? Who do you need to make things right with? All right? That's all from the first word of the prayer. That's just our. Now we're going to move to the second word of the prayer. You ready? Our Father. Let's focus on Father. Why does Jesus call God Father in this passage. There are many things that he could call him. Redeemer, Holy One, Great and Mighty, (laughs) Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah. He could have done a lot of things, right? But he called him Father. Why does he call him Father? There's a lot there, and I, I can't unpack it all today. But here's what I want you to get out of today. Father implies source, provider, leader, and friend. Source, provider, leader, and friend. The more I prayed about this, the more I thought about it, the more I studied it this week, I realized that those four roles of God in our life 
are actually kind of stacked on top of each other. So I want to give you another graphic, all you visual people. Take a look at this graphic. God as source calls for us to acknowledge and recognize God as source, to accept God as source. In other words, source means you come from him. But for God, you would not exist. This is part of the nature of fathers, of what it means to be a father. All of my children exist, at least in part, due to me. Amen, somebody? And y'all are, man, so this, is a, this, is, this is tough out here. Kirk, will you just throw me some amens every once in a while? Father means this, this is the source. This is where you come from, right? And a lot of us need to begin a relationship with God just by accepting and affirming that, hey, you know what? I'm here as a result of God. That's the entry point into a relationship with God to acknowledge who he is, that he's your creator, that he's the source of who you are. He's the source of your life. Paul put it like this when he was talking to the Athenian heathens and pagans in Athens. He said, we're going to quote your, we're going to quote your scriptures. And he said, uh, in him, we live and move and have our being. Your own poets know this, right? So God is the source. On top of the source is the provider. The provider. This is when we have gratitude towards God, right? This is when we go, okay, my God shall su- supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. This is when I start to go, God, oh my gosh, everything that I have is yours. And everything that I have is a blessing from you. Everything that I have, the breath of my lungs is a gift from you. Thank you. The clothes on my back are a gift from you. Thank you, right? This is the second tier to approaching God. First, he's the source. Second, he is the provider. Just like a father. A father is the source of the child. And then the father is a provider, right? A good father is going to provide for his children. The next tier on top of that is leader. Leader requires obedience. This is when you start to go, you're my source. You're my provider. And you know what? I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk in your precepts. I'm going to trust that what you have for me, that what you want me to do is good for me because you're a good father. I'm going to trust that the, that the things you're asking me to do are things that are going to be healthy and right and good for me to do. I'm going to follow you, right? And then, after you understand God as your source, as your provider, uh, as your leader, there is a point in a relationship with God where he becomes a friend. And that's intimacy. That's intimacy. We see it, we see it in the scripture where it says Abraham was a, was a friend of God. We see that Moses spoke to God like like a friend. We hear Jesus saying, if you obey my commandments, then you are my friend. What he's saying is, first, God needs to be your source. Then he needs to be your provider. Then he needs to be your leader. You need to obey him. And when when you have put yourself in alignment with who God is, who he really is, then you get this intimacy with him, right? So this is what, this is what father, father means. And prayer is where we learn how to be who God wants us to be. Did you know that did you know that my children as they grow they get they get fewer no's from me. They get more yeses. You know why? Cuz they stop asking for things that they know that I'm going to say no to. My little kids are just learning this right now. Hey dad, can I can I play Minecraft? No. Can I have another pop a cake pop at Starbucks? No, you cannot. Right? Can I climb on the roof, Dad? No, you can't. Can I mow the lawn? Dude, you're six. No, you can't, right? As they grow, those no's start to tell them 
who I am, who they are, right? And if they trust me, they start to understand that, like, I'm telling you, you can't play with the mower because I, I want what's good for you, right? I'm not just saying no because I'm being mean. But they stop asking for things that, that, that I don't want for them. This is how we start to understand what God wants for us. We enter into prayer. We ask for things. And the more we get to know God, someone needs to get this, the more we get to know God, the more yeses and the fewer noes we get. Because we begin to understand who God wants us to be, what God wants us to do, and we stop asking for things that are not going to be good for us. We start asking for things that God wants for us, right? Because we start to begin to understand the nature of God. But the only way you can understand the nature of God is to spend time with him. So it's okay to get a bunch of no's. Just know that getting those no's are helping you to understand who God is and who you are and who he wants you to be. Because he's a good father and he wants what's best for you. All right, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Last part of the sermon. And I'm just going to end with this. We, we just did the first verse or the, the first uh, the one sentence for this, for this whole sermon. Go back to that verse, verse nine. Our father, our, we looked at our father. We just explored father which art in heaven, and then this is the last word I want to hit. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. That's like an old English word. It's like an old King James word. But what it means is holy. It means sacred. It means set apart. It means majestic, inspiring. It means being filled with awe. Right? This is what this, is what this, this, is what this passage means for us. Prayer is both a time of intimacy and a time of awe. So intimacy, Father, right? Hallowed is awe. We don't really experience awe that much. I I remember when I was a little kid, I went to visit some family in Caldwell, Idaho, out in the middle of like, like Caldwell, Idaho. There's like, there's like, you know, like there's, there's like four stoplights out there. No, there's more now. Sorry, Caldwell people. Um, Rupert, there's only one, one, one stoplight in Rupert, Idaho. But anyway, Caldwell, Idaho is this little town. A lot of my cousins are out there. And when I was a little kid, one night we went out and my, at my cousin's house and we lay down on the deck um, of the back of the house to watch the stars as we went to sleep. And there are no, like, it's such a country place. There's not a lot of lights out there. So the stars are just huge. And they're just everywhere. And there's just millions of them, billions of them, right? And I just remember lying on my back as a little kid, looking up at the stars and being struck by awe, being filled with awe. Like, it goes on and on and on for eternity. Like, I can't count this. Like, you just start to begin to realize how big it is and how small you are and how great God is and how small we are and how majestic God is and how small we are and how powerful God is and how small we are. When we enter into prayer, we enter into prayer when it says, hallowed be thy name. What, God, what Jesus is saying is like, recognize and revere the awesomeness of God in your prayer. I'll give you a couple examples real quick, and then I'm going to close. Have you ever been outside in a, or, or maybe looked out a window during a huge lightning storm? Right? I think there might be a picture. Yeah. Where, the, where it's just like the, the sound is so great and the light is flashing in the clouds. It can fill you with awe. If you've ever been where there's a, a huge waterfall, right, where, where the, the power of the water is just pouring over some steep cliff and you just hear the roar of the water, it can fill you with awe, right? They've got new pictures 
of, of the galaxies and the universe. And, and they've got these great images from all these amazing telescopes, right? And when you begin to look at it, it can fill you with awe, right? Because God made all this. Because this belongs to God. Because this is nothing for him. This is just nothing for him. He's so great. He's so mighty. He's so majestic. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you to know the intimacy of a father. And I want you to know the awesome power of an almighty God. And this is how we enter in. This is how we enter into prayer. We enter into prayer by, by first of all, locking ourselves into a secret place with God. Secondly, by making sure that we have cleared things up in our heart between us and somebody else. It, it doesn't take you about three minutes to go online and get your heart all turned around against somebody, right? Go on any news outlet. Go on any social media page. In about three minutes, you're going to be mad at somebody, right? And now you're out of sync with God. Now you're, not in, now you're not in intimacy with God because you've just put yourself out of sync with everybody else, right? So we lock ourselves into a secret place. We get things right with other people. And then we enter into a time of prayer with our Father and Almighty God. So here's how I want to end this sermon today. I want us to pray again silently. And as you're praying, I want you to ask God, God, who do I need to make things right with? Because I want intimacy with you, but I can't have animosity towards somebody else and intimacy with you at the same time. I want you to allow the Lord to reveal somebody to you. And while you're praying, I want you to recognize God as your source. You're everything, God. You're everything. And trust him as your provider. God, I, I'm not going to lay aside my worry and my anxiety and the rent and the car payment and the issues that I'm facing and the relationship problem. I'm going to lay aside for a moment. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you because you're my provider. And Father, I am going to allow you to lead me. I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to stop making myself God. I'm going to pull myself back and humble myself under your leadership as my father. And I'm going to hear what you have to say to me. Because, God, what I want is intimacy. I want you to be my friend, and I want to be your friend. I want the real thing. I want to move deeply into a life of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And let's pray silently one more time. Let's pray. Worship team, would you come and join me? 
Church, would you just stand with me as we close out this sermon today? God is so good. Do you know, I just, I would just ask that for the next few weeks, you come back, you bring a friend, you bring the person that God put on your heart today. Maybe not, maybe not them. We're not ready for that. We're not, we're not quite there yet. But I would ask that you come back and let's, as a church, as a family, as a collective, as a community, let's pour our hearts into this. Let's make, let's get every person praying every day. Because when we do, God will make, God will make things happen that we can't even fathom at the moment. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? Seek my face. I'll forgive their sins. I'll heal their land, right? God says, look, I want you to be praying people. Let's be praying people. Let's be a praying family. Let's be a praying community. All right, I'm not going to preach again.